This episode of Two Girls, One Pop was brought to you by listeners like you, who support independent artists. Visit our Patreon page to see how you can support us, too, at patreon.com slash show. We have really cool prizes. It's also brought to you by people who love puppies. Today is a very special and very sexy episode of the Pupcast because we have Dr. Evan Anton, this California veterinarian who was also named People Magazine's Sexiest Beast Charmer. I met with him in his office and we talked about what it takes to become a sexy beast charmer. Because you're good looking, but I mean, eh, you're fine. <laughs> Well, thank you. The hazards of working with animals. If you got a really bad case of like anal glands all over the place, you know, if it smells like infected anal glands, I mean, I'm not going to vomit or anything, but it's it's pretty unpleasant. And a lot about uh, um, holes. Have you expressed a crocodile's anal glands? No. Do they have anal glands? I've done rectal exams on them. But you have? On a, really, we call it a cloacal oh, or sure. a vent exam because they have a vent. It's one hole, and basically everything comes out. Reproductive stuff, urinary Out of tray. one hole? Coming up on this sexy episode of Two Girls, One Pup. Oh, hello. Didn't see you there. Welcome to the Pupcast. I'm your host, the very sexy beast charmer, Monique Madrid. Just lounging here in my canopy bed, eating strawberries and drinking champagne next to Comet, our very sexy producer. He's so sexy, he doesn't even need a leg to hump, because he can lick his own crotch. Thank you very much. All right, gross. I had a great time talking to Dr. Anton, who, like me, is also originally from Kansas City, and like Comet, who women constantly want to pet. But before we steam up your headphones too much, let's cool off a bit. Let's grab a leash, a dog leash. Get your head out of the gutter. And let's go meet some dogs in our neighborhood. They really should come up with Tinder for dogs. So who's this little guy? His name is Krem. Krem? C-R-E-M-E. What does that stand for? It's cream. It's French. Oh, like cream. For cream, yeah. Okay, he's white. What kind of dog is he? He's a Maltese poodle. Okay. Multi poodle. And how long have you had him? Uh, I've had him since he was four months old. Aww. And he's five, going on six. He'll be six in July, and we have an intense love affair. You do, Does he sleep in bed with you? Yes. He does? And he g- gets right up. Oh. <laughs> what's, his, what's his little personality like? Very loving. People love him. They want to hug him. Except uh, my neighbors who have a mixed... Uh, a mixed uh, pit bull. Okay. And... Uh, the other day, they tried to say that my dog is the aggressor. Oh. And so the other day, we were on the street, and they brought their dog out, and their dog started barking and barking. And I went, it's love, it's love, and who would have known it? <laughs> he looks like a little animal. So I say he's a stuffed animal that walks and eats. <laughs> well, And poops. And poop. Hi. What a fancy little guy. He's fabulous. <laughs> Say no when things are awful there, we just hug. He saves your life. Yeah. Well, in that regard, yeah. you know, saved my sanity. That's important, though. It's very important. <laughs> well, he's very sweet, and I'm glad you have him. Yeah, thanks. 
So you were t- uh, People Magazine's 2014 Sexiest Beast Charmer, yeah. which I thought I was the sexiest Beast Charmer, <laughs> um, but I don't have... I didn't know there was any competitors. I've never met another Beast Charmer. It was me. It was me, <laughs> but I just don't have the... Uh, people doesn't cover podcasts, Yeah. puppy podcasts very often. Well, it's Sexiest Man Alive, so... Maybe you'd be the people's sexiest woman. Oh, there we go. Charmer. I'll see. You Look probably that. are. I bet I yeah. am. I, well, so what? Gosh, I they'll, don't... They'll be contacting you shortly. Oh, great. Sure. Okay, great. <laughs> this is our. This is my big moment. Um, I mean, before, like, I guess one of my questions is, how did they... Did you, like, submit to this? Don't be, like, be honest. Were it was you, like, the competition. Stuff in? Okay. And I've been sending my, myself to people for, for years now. Because you're also and, a No, model. I'm totally kidding. Oh, okay. I make, no, <laughs> no, it was totally random. I, I honestly, they, um, a writer contacted me and were like, hey, you know, we're thinking about doing this, this men at work thing. And we came across your, um, your, they came across some YouTube videos or something or my Instagram or something. And they're like, we'd love to, you know, put you up for this. Are you interested? And I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? That's cool. Let's yeah. do it. Um, and so they, you know, they followed through and it happened and everything. So it was like, there was like maybe six or eight other dudes. So there was like the sexiest chef, the sexiest scientist, the sexiest <laughs> model, uh, the sexiest uh, teacher, school teacher. Okay. Um, so it was just, it was a men at work profiling section. Is it, um, does that feel weird to have that title or are you like, help? like I, if I were you, I wouldn't want to be called Dr. Anton, I'd want to be called Sexiest Beast Tamer, oh my gosh. Yeah. Dr. Anton. Like, I would hold on to that title. So, Beast Charmer, they got that because I had, I, I've been making educational videos for a long time, just like short, you know, three to four minute wildlife animal videos where I go and interact with like a, you know, venomous snake or a, a crocodile or something or monkeys or elephants, what have you. Um, and so my I the vi- my name on those videos was the Beast Charmer. My fiance came up with it, ah. and I was always like, "Whatever, that's fine." She's like, "You gotta have a name," and I'm like, <laughs> and she was producing my videos, and I was like, "Okay, cool, that's fine." Um, and then they like wanted to use that, so <laughs> if I find the sexiest anything again, I'll probably just stick with veterinarian. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> but is but that that's, like, that's where that came from? Yeah. How did your coworkers respond to that? Like, do they give you shit? Because that's the oh, other yeah. thing I would do is... Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they think it's hilarious. Because you're good um, looking, but I mean, eh, you're fine. <laughs> well, thank you. It was, it, yeah, definitely brought up upon some some pretty funny, funny <laughs> moments, obviously. Do you have people that, um, women that now show up to the office like, oh, my dog really needs help. <laughs> Where's Dr. Anton? Where's the beast charmer? Maybe more than I realize. It's happened a couple times where it's like, I guess kind of obvious. Really? Yeah. And I'm not going to call them out or say anything, but it's like, you know, your dog's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me about you. We'll we'll come back to all the sexy stuff. I mean, there's so much sexiness in this room just by the two of us being in here. Right? Automatically. uh, Doing pretty good here. Yeah, we're handling (laughs) it. Um, But beyond this, why a vet? Tell me, you know, you grew up in Kansas City, and at what point did you decide, oh my God, I got to take care of animals? Sure. I mean, I've always been an animal fiend. Loved animals growing up. I mean, when I was a little kid, all I was doing was walking around my backyard. We had a creek. I was always flipping rocks, looking for snakes or turtles or insects or frogs. Um, And, you know, I started taking some advanced science courses towards the end of high school. And then I took some, some really cool science courses early in undergrad. And I've always had an appreciation for medicine. And for a while, I thought I wanted to be a human doctor. Um, and I just reconnected with my love of animals, you know, at that point in time. And in uh, late high school, early college. And, and uh, re- just loved the courses I was taking. Realized, you know what, this is, this, is, this is my calling. This is like the right profession for me. 
it just makes so much sense. And um, ever since that point, I just made every effort to, to make that happen. Now, you obviously work with animals besides just dogs. So are you, like, what's your official title? Small Animal Exotic and Wildlife Veterinarian. So what's the difference? You go to school. Sure. You go to school to be a vet, and then you specialize in something? Or how, how does all that work? Specialization, technically, when you're speaking with a veterinarian, refers to you've done, you've done some sort of residency program, which is an intense... Uh, you know, three to four year program in a specific field, whether it be, you know, zoo animal or cardiology or surgery, dermatology, what have you. So I'm not board certified okay. in anything. I'm a general practitioner, uh, technically. And then as a veterinarian here at Conejo, I see a lot of small animal, which is cat and dog. I see a lot of exotic pets. So it's, you know, parrots, reptiles, small mammals. Uh, we see some zoo animal stuff here too. So I'll see some primates and some <laughs> more exotic stuff. Um, and uh, in wildlife, we're one of the few hospitals that sees wildlife. So I'll see any California native wildlife, we, 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 we could see it here. So really? whether it's raccoons or birds. I've seen a badger before. That was pretty cool. <laughs> I'm just talking about that today. Coyotes, bobcats. Yeah. 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 Do you do surgery as well? Yeah, I've seen, absolutely. I've seen uh, pictures of you gut right. and stuff. Totally. Yeah. I love <laughs> surgery. Um, you know, after exotics, I think that's one of my favorite topics in vet medicine. But like not all vets perform surgery, right? All surgeons are vets, but not all vets are surgeons. How's that work? So, right. So, with with surgeries, that's the thing that makes us different than human medicine. Is that really once you graduate vet school, you can do whatever surgery you know you feel comfortable doing. Um, so, I do a lot of you know soft tissue, like abdominal surgery. Like if if you know I have to take out a rock from a you know the intestines of a dog, or remove a spleen, or remove stones from the bladder, things like that. Um, we do a lot of laceration repairs, skin surgeries. I do a couple orthopedic procedures, and so one of the more common ones I do is, is for an ACL repair. We yeah. call it the CCL, but you've heard of it, ACL yeah. injuries in yeah, people, yeah. very common in dogs, so I'll do those um, as well. But you did, uh, did you learn that in school, or you learned that after? Yeah, actually, a lot of those I learned in school. Okay. Some things you've, you've, you learn and research and you know get more comfort with afterwards. But um, I mean, I went to Colorado State. It's a really top-notch vet school, and I feel like I got a really good education, and, and a lot of the surgical procedures I do... Uh, now I did actually learn in school, um, and then there's a lot more than that. I mean, you know, certain soft tissue surgeries or orthopedic procedures, or more advanced procedures, or brain surgeries, things like that, or back surgery, spinal neurologic, you know, kind of surgery. Those are typically done by board certified surgeons. Okay, so these guys are amazing surgeons. They've gone and gotten residencies and done a lot of extra education, and they focus primarily on surgery. I mean, they'll see patients and cases and everything. But every day, pretty much, they're performing uh, surgeries. Do, um, have you ever, beginning or even now, like, have you ever, like, gotten nauseous or sick or puked on a patient? Like, it's gross. Or no, do you literally not, like, not get grossed out at all by it? I mean, that's pretty tough for me. I mean, you know, one, like, there's a couple things that maybe eat me out a little bit, like, if you got a really bad case of like anal glands all over the place, you know, if it smells like infected anal glands, I mean, I'm not going to vomit or anything, but it's it's pretty unpleasant. I'm glad you said the anal gland one because I have a dachshund. Yeah. Um, and everybody told me that was going to be a thing with him. Mm. And right when I was like, I'm adopting him, they were like, good luck with the anal glands. And I freaked out about it because I didn't, I, that's awful. Yeah. Uh, and then, see, I'm glad other people think it's as awful as. Anyway. Yeah. Oh, How yeah, do you get anal glands to not happen as often? 
It really depends on the dog. So some dogs, most dogs... By the way, we're going to start playing some sexy music under this anal gland Excellent. Actually, so it's, if, if you were playing the sexy music, then you should know we they're actually technically anal sacs. And we just don't call them anal sacs because a lot of owners think we're saying anal sacs. So <laughs> we just stick with the whole gland thing. Um, anyhow, with, with the anal gland, uh, you know, most dogs release a little bit of that material when they defecate. Okay, and and backing up, anal gland material, uh, the stuff that they produce is primarily released or expressed in a fight or flight scenario. Okay, and that's just something they've taken from their, you know, their their, their ancestral lineage from from wild canids, wild you know dog related animals, wolves and things. Um, dogs in captivity don't have a lot of fight or flight, you know, right, uh, right. circumstances. I mean, the worst they probably get is, you know, being in the vet hospital. The vacuum. Right? Or the vacuum. Or, yeah. Maybe if they're going to get into it with another dog. Yeah. But it's not, you know, life or death is not really in their cards a whole lot. Um, so a lot of times they just accumulate and they don't release them ever. Ah. So that's when it becomes a problem. Most dogs release a little bit when they defecate every time they poop. Uh, some dogs just don't. My dog actually, you know, he's not a dachshund. He's like a chihuahua terrier mix. Um, but he has the same issue, and, and sometimes they just get backed up. So what I do is I express his glands on a regular basis, so they don't get overfilled and abscessed or infected or anything like that. You do it yourself. Well, of yeah. course you do it yourself. Sure. I'm, I will happily pay someone the fifteen dollars plus tip that it costs. Right. It's yeah. Absolutely. Fine. So I mean, some some owners <laughs> like to do it themselves, but yeah. Like to? Not. I mean, they they're okay doing it themselves because it's at home. It's less some, expensive. It's convenient. Some owners like to touch their dogs. Sack. So make note of that. Done. If you were not a vet, what would you be? Um, that's an awesome question. So, I love fitness and personal training. I was a personal trainer for a year before vet school. I could see myself doing something in that, somewhere in that field. I love nutrition and training. Uh, I love traveling. Ooh. And I kind of like combine the vet stuff when I travel too. I try to volunteer at like wildlife sanctuaries at least for a little bit when, I, when, I'm, when I'm abroad, which is usually in the tropics, oh, cool. Southeast Asia, Africa, something like that, Central America. Um, but uh, yeah, it'd be some some something involving one of those two things. Okay, all right. Yeah. Uh, what's your favorite animal? It's got to be hard, right? Yeah, it is. It is because I mean I appreciate so many different animals. Just don't different. say cat, please. Oh really? Are you gonna say cat? No, I'm just kidding. I love cats. <sighs> I'm gonna so walk I'll out of you, here. Cats, I think, make amazing pets. They're like a good cat's like the best pet, and I love my cat. He's my best friend. Right, but most but, cats aren't good cats. Yeah, I mean, there's there's so many good cats, so I can't I can't say that. But there's a lot of cats that aren't is assholes. ideal. You can yeah, say they're assholes. little butt heads for sure. Yeah. yeah, I just posted a picture of my cat being a little butt. Uh, I was like <laughs> trying to give him a little smooch, and he's got his paws on my face, pushing me away. Um, That's and, all the experience I know of cats. Like they want nothing to do. Like, right. They're just too snotty. For but me. then my other so my my cat Willie is like super friendly. He's like a dog. If you came over and we're hanging out, he'd be on the couch, like sitting next to us. Like, he's social, he wants to be with yeah. you, he's like a total sweetheart, <laughs> loves to play, just really, really good guy. Um, but favorite animal is probably a crocodile. Why is that? I, for so many reasons, I mean, I've always been obsessed with them. I think they look fascinating, and then the more I learn about them, the more fascinated I am by them. I mean, they're, they're prehistoric, right. and so they're one of the animals we have on Earth, especially some of the larger crocodiles. Um, and I mean, these animals have been around for 200, 250 million years. So that's pretty prehistoric, you know. Do they, um, have you actually, I know you, I've seen pictures of you with, with crocodiles, but have you worked on one? Like, um, I don't know, surgeries or, no, have I you mean, expressed a crocodile's anal glands? No. Do they have anal glands? I've done rectal exams on them. But you have? Not a, really, we call it a cloacal oh, or sure. a vent exam because they have a vent 
It's one hole, and basically everything comes out. Reproductive stuff, urinary tract. Out of tract, one hole? And out of one hole from their body. There, there are different tracks leading up to it. It's all stored in a cloaca, and then it comes out the same hole. That sexy music just um, started playing oh, yeah. again, by the way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Is the hole like... <laughs> is it tough like a crocodile? I, I picture it being, well, actually what I picture it being is uh, it's got all those crazy teeth like in that Men in Black uh, oh my God, scary yeah, no. alien. I'm sure it's not that way, but is it tougher or is it like most animal holes? It's, uh... <laughs> oh man, that's, that's like the best question I've ever got. Is it like most animal holes? Okay. Because I don't know different animal holes. I know right. I've seen cat and dog holes. We need holes. to show you some animal holes. Yeah, we you, do. You need to, we need to expand your hole. We totally uh, need experience. Ex- expand my, my hole does not need to be expanded, I'll tell you that much. No, but, <laughs> but I would like to oh, learn. Oh, you wouldn't want to do that. Okay. <laughs> the whole underside of a crocodile is much smoother, softer than, than the top. Um, and so honestly, it's not, it's, um, I mean, once you're actually inside, it's soft tissue. Okay. So it's 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 relatively soft. I mean, male crocodiles have a phallus, which is which is pretty bony and pretty hard. Um, but otherwise, it's soft tissue, and so yeah, it's it's similar to other vertebrate animals. Okay. Meaning other you know mammals or, or, or other animals, um, and uh, yeah, so it's 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 not like a platey thing <laughs> okay. filled with teeth and like will rip you. Yeah. Right. No. Okay. <laughs> uh, what, what's your uh, what's your least favorite animal? Oh. You can have one. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's uh, like, is there ever one that you're like, ugh, I don't want to fucking mess with this little, I don't know, chipmunk or I don't know why. I'd be a so chipmunk. as I don't, I don't dislike these guys as animals. As a veterinarian, certain animals are more challenging to work with. Um, it's a very PC one of those way animals. Of saying yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's really how I feel because I think these are neat animals. But like, so gerbils and hamsters, I think they're neat animals. Uh, they're challenging to work with, okay, because they almost always bite. Uh, pretty readily. I mean, a lot. Some don't. I've had some friendly ones. I've had quite a few friendly ones. But there's others where you start touching them, and it's they're just biting you, and they feels like getting bit by a little staple remover. Oh, you've yeah. seen those, like yeah. yeah. I mean, their teeth. They have got some pretty prominent incisors, but they're very small, and so they they puncture you. It's pretty. It really hurts. How many times a week do you think you get bit? Oh, I don't know. Um, I mean, including like. Little snake bites and lizard bites and all that. You know, stuff. like a typical person. Yeah, including like, every, <laughs> yeah, everything. Whatever. I, I'm not talking humans, just animals. Right, right. I mean, anywhere from five to ten or fifteen. I don't know. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I see so many eyes. So I let. I don't let, but like, if I'm doing an oral exam on a snake or a lizard, um, some smaller lizards, I almost give them, you know, one of my hands or like the pad of my hand or finger just to keep their mouth open it doesn't hurt so oh. much but they open their mouth because they want to bite i'm like cool chew on this i'm going to look at your teeth and your mouth your hands don't look scarred up they're not too busted a little bit sorry here's from a, a crocodile <gasps> um got another caiman oh have you had to ever go to the um, hospital yourself because of an animal bite no okay i let this one i just let it heal this one this was pretty open that's right the here. crocodile one this is a crocodile so i could actually i could see this here was peeled open Ew. and i could see all my tendons underneath i could you know flex and extend my fingers and see the tendons moving back and, and you forth just underneath. let it grow back you didn't yeah do anything i just left it open and bandaged it because the thing is their mouths are, are pretty contaminated and so if you trap it by closing it you risk trapping infection uh-huh. um and my arm might be prettier there but i, I really doesn't bother me at all yeah, and, seriously, uh, dude, you are ugh, gross. You were <laughs> sexy as beast humor, and then that one scar. The scar, yeah, <laughs> but yeah. For those nasty bites, I let them heal open. 
I don't know. This, this is. You wouldn't suggest to other people do that, though, would you? No. I mean, it's best to see a medical professional. You can. This is kind of going away. But I got bit by a 14 foot reticulated python. And usually not a big deal. I don't know if can you see that kind of arch right there? Yeah. Just barely little teeth marks here. Um, not a big deal, but this guy had a, a bad stomatitis. What's and that? that means an infection in the mouth. Ooh. And so his mouth was full of pus and stuff. And then he bit me and just <gasps> like put a bunch of that in the, and they have like sharp little needle teeth. So we just seeded it under my skin. Yeah. And so that was a little scary. I got, I uh, actually I cultured that one. And have got you some ever, antibiotics, but. Have you ever been bitten by a poisonous snake? And no. And had to suck it out? Yeah, I know. Ah, okay. No, they say that doesn't do much. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Good yeah. to know. Good to know that. What is, um, so you work in this, in the hospital. What does sort of day to day look like for you? Because you're not seeing crocodiles every day. No, no, that's pretty rare. Um, so, I mean, day to day, I mean, if, it depends on if I'm on a surgery day or not. More often I'm seeing appointments. Um, and so just really just seeing appointments. I mean, they're a half hour at a time. And just like a normal vet. That's just like a normal vet. I mean, I'm just seeing a, a broader range of, of kinds of animals. Um, I, not all the vets here see certain animals or do certain procedures. And so a lot of times I'll have to do procedures that day and I can't like transfer it to a surgery doctor. So if I have, you know, a rabbit that needs, you know, some emergency dental work or something else like that, I'll just, you know, I'll, I'll do a procedure or two on a given day. I don't think I have any today. Um, just seeing appointments pretty much. Okay. But yeah. It's not as exciting as your Instagram would show. I mean, I'm still working with cool patients. So yeah. I think it's, you know, there's some excitement there. And surgery days, surgery days are all just procedures all day. Do you ever like meet an animal and you're like, oh, this animal's so cool, but you really, like that patient is a pain in the ass. Not the patient, the, the owner is a pain in the ass. Oh, yeah. Does that, does that probably happen more often uh, than not? I mean... No, overall, I think, I mean, I'm a people person, I really like interacting with people, and that's never been like an issue for me, um, so I get along pretty well with, with my pet owners, or the, the pet, the yeah. owners of the pets that I take care of, um, but yeah, there's definitely, oh, absolutely, there's cases where it's like, you know, they, they, I mean, they think they know everything, or they're kind of know-it-alls, and they're telling me how to do my job, and that's, that can be really frustrating. Yeah, what's your biggest pet peeve that pet owners, or whether it's a pet owner or someone bringing in just a random animal they found, what's your biggest pet peeve that they do, that we should all avoid? <laughs> um, I mean, just, it's, it's really challenging when people are, uh, you know, kind of know-it-alls, and they're like... <laughs> it's the Google factor, it's, I it's, it's honestly, Dr. Google's brutal. Yeah. Dr. Google will tell you to do some pretty ridiculous things. There's a lot of great things on the internet. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I use the internet. Um, I, you know, I try to use trusted, you know, resources, yeah, obviously. Yeah, but, uh, but there's a lot of funky stuff on there. Um, like, what's one of the... Cr I know you can't give away names or too many details, but, like, what's one of the craziest things that's happened with a patient, or with the, with the pet owner? Um, in that regard... Mm -hmm. Gosh. Um, well, I mean, like the client I had just before you, she told me you can't get, you can give male, you can't give male rats oranges, but you can give female rats oranges. <laughs> and so a couple of vet students that were helping me out were looking into it, and it's like this one random little article on it, and I don't even know. So that, that was pretty funny. That feels like the same kind of yeah. fact where you end up pregnant in high school because you're like. <laughs> You yeah. know what I mean? Like just a random thing that makes that makes no sense. Yeah, yeah. Right. What, so I did have this really, you know, kind of know-it-all owner, and this guy he was great. So he, he he knew it all. He didn't want to hear anything I said. It was revol you know regarding a reptile patient, which I felt pretty you know that's that's kind of my go-to. I'm pretty comfortable with being a reptile doctor, 
And um, to top it off, he just like had this awful like wet butt flapper fart <laughs> at the end of the exam. Wait, the 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 dude, the dude, did? the guy, the owner. Oh, no. And it was just, and we were in our old hospital. Like the rooms were like half this size, like super small space. <sighs> and he was just like, oh, excuse me. Like it was like casual, like it's normal to <laughs> just do that. And I was like, bro, you're like the worst. Yeah, this that is horrible. That ends. It. I'm gonna end our. Um, this interview with a super wet fart, too. So. Oh, yeah, I look forward just to so it. I know. might just bail. <laughs> Do reptiles fart? That's a good question. Um, you Pretty much just before or after, really, after defecating, cool. if anything. Okay. They're not big. They're not really big in the whole flatulent. Department. Well, probably because their diets are what they're supposed to be, and that's it, or something. I mean, it's it's just it's just. Trust me, I googled you. this. I know <laughs> you don't even need to tell me. I know. All right. <laughs> so you have a dog at home. Fart expert. God. Go, I'll go to you now. Yeah, that's that. that's on my IMBD page. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so you have what pets do you have at home? You got a dog, uh, two cats, tortoise, lizard, snake. And some fish. And they all live happily together. They all I mean, get along. All, the, all the, the, the reptiles and fish are in you know, their own enclosures, well, sure. so they don't really interact. Uh, the tortoise will let her roam around, and, and the cats take interest to her, and she's kind of apathetic. How big is she? And what's her name? She's Her name is Dolores, or mm-hmm. we call her Dodo. And she's about maybe like a, you know eight inches long and six inches wide. Is she going to get bigger, though? She will. She'll be, she's she's a, a species that gets pretty big. They get to be over 100 pounds. Is she the kind that'll be alive for like 80 years or whatever? Most horses are like that, to be honest. Yeah, most. I mean, they'll live several decades, and she's the kind that will live. If things go well, I mean, she could easily live over 100. She could outlive you, and so like, you should, I assume her name is in your will, because she's going to outlive you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I haven't fully arranged that yet, but most definitely will be. be. Okay, so you have Dolores... (laughs) What are your two cats' names? Uh, Willie and Blue. Great. I don't want to hear any more about them. Don't care. Uh, <laughs> tell me about your dog. And what kind? Henry. And when did you get Henry? Uh, I got Henry like eight years ago at Boulder Humane Society. He's a little Chihuahua Terrier mix. Okay. Um, and he's he's pretty adorable. He's he's a very simple soul. He's a, <laughs> a simple nice dog. Way. Yeah, he's an idiot. He's just an <laughs> idiot. But I mean, he's you know he's. He he's super lovable, super cuddly. Uh, he, he he acts as if I'm his god, like he's just obsessed with me, like really? a lot of Chihuahuas are with their owners. Are they? Know. I was oh, gonna say very like loyal to their owners, um, and just like obsessed with them. So I need just that, you I need that phrase, <laughs> and that's why no. Uh, yeah, no, he lo- he loves my fiance too for okay. sure. And, and honestly, I mean, he loves other people when they come over. Like same kind of thing. He'll be on your lap and want to hang out. But uh, yeah, he's obsessed with us. Um, Super sweet. I mean, he pees, his only downside is he pees in the house sometimes. You haven't been able to figure out how to get him to know, stop right? peeing in yeah, the house. I'm a vet. What kind of vet am I? Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just something small. Some small dogs do, and it's just next to impossible to totally curb it. I mean, he doesn't do it often. Yeah. And it's usually when we're um, when we're home and we just haven't let him out for more than a couple hours. But he'll hold it. I'll, I'll be gone for eight hours of the day longer, and he'll hold it all day. <laughs> and then if we're home, it's like. It's like an attention thing. It's, he's flipping you off he's at that point. He's a little turd, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, he's a super sweet guy. I love that guy. He's a good dog. And you grew up with dogs, too? Or oh, yeah, I grew up with dogs, cats. Um, we had a couple exotics. I had a lizard for quite a while growing up in Iguana, which I don't typically recommend as pets. Oh. Um, Why is that? Yeah, they 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 get big. They need too much space. Okay. Um, they, they require certain humidities. They need UVB light, you know, sunshine. So it's just it's challenging for a lot of owners. It's just not... Only if it's really only for experienced reptile owners. 
I had a, um, we caught a frog by, by the creek, and I brought it home. Like and a bullfrog my, or something? Um, it wasn't a big bullfrog, it was just like a... A frog. A frog, frog. Right on. Not tiny, but like it looked like maybe this, like in between a regular sized frog and a bullfrog, so mm-hmm. not gigantic. But my mom not wanting it in the house, even though we had had other frogs and we'd had, uh, we had a box turtle and I think we even had a little bunny for a while. But she took this frog, she didn't want it in the house, and so she put it in a jar on the front porch and we cooked that frog. Oops. Like it completely fried in the oh, sun. Oh, yeah. So don't do that, listeners. No. <laughs> yeah, definitely don't do that. So I guess I want to go back to how do you, this is a question I have for a lot of vets, like how do you handle when an animal dies? Do you go home sad a lot? Are you taking this back with you or how is it? Do you cry, Dr. Evans? <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, it's hard not to get emotional with, with, with certain cases, you know, and it can be, it can be pretty brutal. It can be really sad. Um, I mean, when you got to tell owners bad news or oh. you got to euthanize their pet, even if it's for the pet's best interest, like it's got a chronic illness, it's only getting worse, it's starting to suffer. Let's put it out of its misery. Even then you just, you know, you think about their relationship and it's, it's, it really is. It's hard not to get emotional. Um, I mean, I don't honestly physically cry often, but yeah, definitely it's, it's a bummer. It's, it's rough. Have you actually done euthanasia itself? Oh, yeah. Is that part of the thing? Oh, what, yeah. what was that like the first time I mean, you did it? Sure. Um, first time I ever did it was in vet school. That's just part of what you have to do. And, um, yeah, it was, it was, it's really tough. I mean, I, luckily, I, I got to see quite a few before doing my first one. So that really helped me. And the doctors I was, I was spending time with and, and, and shadowing, basically, at that time um, in school were really great at what they did. I mean, when it, when it, when it comes to euthanasia, it's, you know, you're not just a vet, but you're, it's really important to just be able to communicate with, with, with the owners. Yeah. Okay. And just get on their level and just, you know, remind them that you're doing the best thing and just be gentle and just, you know, um, try to make it as pleasant, pleasant of an experience as possible given the circumstances, Right. of course. So that, that can be really challenging but, um, yeah, it's tough. I mean, I don't know what to say. It's just, it's tough. It's part of the job. It's something we do on a very regular basis. I mean, I do it, uh, not every day, but for sure, almost every week. Are there ways, not to get too graphic on this, yeah. um, I don't know if we can get much graphic than the holes discussion we had earlier, <laughs> <laughs> but are there ways that can be done more humanely? Like, the, if I, if the day, God forbid, ever comes and I have to put my dog down, are there better ways of doing it? Or are they pretty much all standard of how dogs are put down? I think, honestly, I mean, I'm, I can't speak for, you know, the whole world. But, like, in the United States, I think, you know, I've only practiced in Colorado and in California. But it, there, it's pretty standard okay. in general. And so, basically, that involves putting in, like, an IV catheter so we have access to their to their vein, their, 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 their uh, blood supply. Um, and then... Sometimes we'll give a sedative or something if the pet needs it, and they don't always need it. And then we give a uh, we give an overdose of an anesthetic drug. It was it was uh, it's a drug that honestly it's just it's fallen out of favor because it's not as safe, um, and there's more anesthetic complications with it. But if you're trying to euthanize a pet, that's kind of the point. Yeah. And so that's 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 what it is. It's just a drug that was previously used in anesthesia. So it's a great way to go. I mean, when you when when you're thinking about physiologically what's going on, it's shutting down the central nervous system before anything. They're, they're unconscious before their heart stops and they stop oh. breathing. 
Okay. And it's not long before that happens. I mean, usually we're talking within, you know, seconds to a minute or so. Oh. If that. So it's very quick, but it's very peaceful. I mean, it's just like it's being put to sleep. We say that, but literally that's pretty much what it is. Okay. It's like going under anesthesia, but you're never coming back. Okay. I'm real sad right now, but... Yeah. No, but. it's like I said, it's brutal, but I mean, I if, yeah, if I... If I had to go and I had, you know, if I was in these pets' place, that's how I'd want to go. Yeah. I mean, that's a pretty comfortable, nice way to go. Oh, this is the most sad podcast ever. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I hate it. I hate this that's so part much. Of the, part, of the, part of the profession. <laughs> Do you, when you talk to animals, especially dogs, mostly because this is a dog podcast, but whatever. Yeah. Uh, do you do you baby talk them or are you oh, just yeah. like what up I'm cool I'm sexy as beast child no no way you, know, you got to get another level I mean I'm I'm the kind of vet I like to get you know I'll sit on the floor with them and lay down with them and just like hang out and I try to get on their level and keep them comfortable you know I, I try not to put them on the exam table if I can help it that's what this is an arm wall by the way if it opens oh, okay. up and the table folds down um, if I can help it unless I know they're pretty mellow and they're going to be cool and either way or excited or happy or tail wagon either way yeah but um, oh yeah I'm, I'm happy to talk like a little, <laughs> little puppy <laughs> do you to your dog at home oh yeah yeah. Oh, do, yeah do your dogs and cats sleep in the bed with you yeah sometimes so Henry like I said so sometimes he'll pee oh right um, he'll go pee somewhere so I, I not with him often but my cat uh, like every night <laughs> really? Willing, willing, yeah. What's the weirdest thing that you're, that either, well, you can talk about your dog as well as animals you've seen, but like, what's the weirdest or funniest story that you have about an animal? Like, I have a comedian friend whose dog pooped directly in his mom's robe pocket, <laughs> like an ace in the hole, and that's like one of my favorite stories. So like, what's some good stories you have? One of my favorite ones, I mean, it's, okay, so I was in vet school, and I was on a surgery rotation. And this really adorable, sweet, like harmless little King Charles Cavalier Spaniel. Uh, they're usually pretty sweet dogs. Uh, she had a form body obstruction in her GI tract. So something was obstructing um, her, her gastrointestinal tract and her intestines, and it was blocked, and we need to go in and remove it. So we go in there, we pull it out, it turns out to be this uh, blinged out little thong. It's like <laughs> pink and like bedazzled and just like pretty <laughs> impressive. Um, and so, you know, we tell the owner. And we show it to her, and then her response was, that's not my thought. <gasps> so that's how, oh, that's no. how she caught her husband <laughs> cheating on her. Oh, <laughs> no. Because the dog ate the chick's thought. Damn. So that's, I mean, it's not really a dog doing anything, but it's just like but a nutty story. I that's some good drama. Funny, but it's definitely dramatic. I just thought it was so cute because it was like <laughs> the most harmless, adorable little dog, and she just like wreaked havoc on her her, her, her family oh, she split her family apart. I know. No, well, she didn't do it but uh, asshole yeah. guy did yeah uh, that's amazing yeah. did you ever have times that you were besides when you were bit by that python sure <laughs> besides that any like moments you've been scared of an animal even domestic oh, yeah. ones oh big time yeah, really yeah, yeah. oh yeah I mean I've had you know moments where um, some of the patients we see are, are, are giant breed dogs and they're poorly socialized and they're super aggressive and so I've walked into a room, and the owner's not had a tight lead on, say, you know, 150, 200-pound mastiff, and they've lunged at me. And that's just, this is a dog. This is a domesticated animal. It's not even a wild animal. And that's frightening. I mean, those guys can be, you know, pretty, they could do some pretty devastating damage. So that, that can be scary. Uh, working with some wildlife can be a little, a little scary. I mean, honestly, though, with a lot of those guys, if it's just, like, not going to happen, we can always, you know anesthetize them you know if oh, we have yeah. to if they're otherwise apparently healthy or for wildlife really either way we pretty much have to do it you, you're not going to work with a wild record 
You right, know, right, right. Really, right. only wildlife that you can work with that's not going to destroy you is, is really just birds and mammals. And so, yeah, so you, you got to be careful. Um, you said you've worked with monkeys? Yeah. How's that? Multiple different primates. Uh, I, so primates, that's actually another one. Um, they're, the primates are kind of frightening. Uh, I love working with them. I think primates are fascinating. They don't come here to the hospital Not when commonly. you were traveling. I mean, I've, I've had a lemur come here, and that's about it. I've worked with them in other zoos with other vets. Okay. i worked with them in vet school. I've worked with them traveling um, in other countries. Uh, yeah, but they're so unpredictable. So, like, for instance, a venomous snake or a crocodile, I, I can predict how far it can strike, how fast it can strike, where it's going to strike where it's going to try to bite me, what it's going to tolerate, you know, all that stuff. It's relatively predictable um, to a degree, and, and it takes a lot of experience, obviously. A primate, no. You don't know what they're going to do. I mean, even some of the other, like, big mammals, like big cats, I mean, they just want to, go, you know, bite your neck pretty much. They'll pry right. you or bite you. Um, whereas these primates, you don't know. I mean, I've heard horror stories on many accounts of larger primates, like apes, going and just physically castrating male vets, like just ripping their shit right off whoa so yeah uh, it's uh, th- that, so stuff like that's scary two questions <laughs> uh, one is that because they're so close to humans that they can have opinions and personalities and two if a male vet is castrated can that be sewn back on I don't know about number two. Okay. It depends probably how fresh of an injury it was. Okay. Um, because I know, like, for instance, I've, you know, seen stories of people getting bit by crocodiles, for instance, and they bite a few of their fingers. If you can get into the hospital and get soon enough, you can get them, uh, um, you know, repaired and back on. I don't know how functional they are. Um, and same with, if that gets, you know, <laughs> I really don't know. So that, that's okay. a great question. Uh, and why they do it, this is something they do in the wild to other Males, and so there's enough similarities, and they're intelligent enough to realize this is something I could do to you too. Oh, yeah, through the pants. Yeah, interesting. I mean, they're strong. The grip strength on a a great ape is we're dwarfed by. I mean, just where their muscles attach. Even if you have the same size bicep as a chimp, our bicep inserts just below our elbow, where theirs inserts actually by the wrist. So you think about how much more leverage they can get. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so it's, it's all about being arboreal and climbing and stuff too. But I mean, they can. But do up. they have the same? They have the same bones and same muscles as us. Very just yes. Set up differently, so yes. that makes the difference. There might there might be some other slightly different muscles. Some muscles are more developed than others. Um, their muscle strength, pound for pound, is simply higher. Uh, but anatomically, it's, it's huge parallels. Huh. I mean, and even with dogs and cats, and even with reptiles. So that's, that's actually good. This will lead me into this series of questions. Yeah. Um, you've worked with all sorts of different animals, including surgery on all these animals. Yeah. If you were blindfolded right. and walked into a surgery room where you just saw the guts of an animal, could you tell what it was? It depends. Um, it depends on what it was. I mean, certain animals have like... Um, don't have certain organs, certain animals have like more, like certain animals have different digestive tracts. For instance, like a rabbit, their digestive tract is very different from a cat or dog. And so they have a huge, large intestines and they have something called a cecum that dogs and cats have, but they're just really developed and they have a lot of digestion and fermentation going on in there, Mm -hmm. uh, like a lot of herbivorous animals do. So that would be one thing. You know, some animals have multiple bladders, like certain turtles and things have multiple bladders, so you'd see that maybe. Um... And just based on size and stuff. So, yeah, so to a degree, yeah, I could narrow it down. 
You couldn't narrow down different types of dogs, though. No, because they're the same species. It's gonna okay. look. I mean, it's all. That's all breed. Cat and a dog. Yeah, I mean, just because because of size and like feeling the ribs and everything and. And uh, but they're really, I mean, pretty similar anatomically. I mean, you know, cat, cats have, they're both called monogastric, so they have similar GI tract. Um, they all have pretty much all the same organs and stuff. Hmm. But, Be- yeah. Besides, uh, is it a cow that has all the, the seven stomachs? Well, cows have a four stomach. Four stomachs. Is it, right. it, does anyone have seven stomachs? Am I just making that oh, number? Oh, no, up? yeah, that actually does sound familiar. Something like a. I, probably, I should probably know, like a kangaroo or a sloth or something weird. Oh. Yeah. Well, that's, I guess my, I was wondering, like, what's like the weirdest? Or maybe camelids. No, camelids have something weird. What's a camelid? Camelids referring to llamas, alpacas, and camels. Those oh. Are cam- cam- camelids or camelids. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. So, like, what's the weirdest inner gut fact you have for us? Weirdest inner gut Yeah, fact. like, you like, you said, I, I thought that, like... A fact would be um, cows have seven stomachs. Right. Uh, um, I don't know. Is there any other weird, like, oh, here's gosh. a weird thing that happens on the inside of this animal? <laughs> um, I mean, something that's kind of interesting is rabbits have two kinds of poop, essentially. They do? They have normal stool, normal pellets, and then they have something called a cecotroph. And they eat that. This is, okay, my, a good friend of mine who was on the podcast recently, she has a bunny, and I just went to her house and was hanging out with her and the bunny, and she was talking about how the the rabbit would just poop everywhere until they put her hay, or his hay, into the litter box, and then it was fine because it would eat its poop, which I thought was awful and disgusting, but she said the vet said that's normal. So We talk- want it. It's good. It's healthy. So this other kind of poop called a cecotroph is, is softer, and really it has a ton of uh, bacteria in it. And essentially, it's like an auto-probiotic. They're just reestablishing bacterial flora. So here's the thing with a rabbit, okay? Rabbits eat a ton of grass and hay. That's the bulk of their diet. They eat some lettuces and a little bit of veggies, too, but tons of grass and hay. That grass and hay almost has no nutritional value for, like, us. But because they have so much bacteria in their cecum, like we talked about, in their large intestine, those organs have a lot of bacteria in them that ferments all the grass and hay and then turn that into proteins, carbohydrates, and fats like what we eat directly. Okay, so they want to have consistent, healthy amounts of that bacterial flora, so they have this poop that basically, it's like a a probiotic that they make on their own. And so they're not wasting and losing bacteria. That is an interesting fact. All right. So what kind of advice would you give to someone who's interested in going to veterinary school? Um, Or who is in it? Because I have to imagine like any other... um, Doctor at school, like it's probably really hard and stressful. And right. So, what kind of advice do you have? Biggest one is follow your heart. If it's something you really want to do, go for it. Uh, work your butt off in school. It's extremely competitive. It's more competitive than most professional programs, including medical school. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, a big part of that, just because there's just so few vet schools relative to medical schools. Okay. Um, but yeah, really challenging to get into. And another thing is spend time with vets that do what you want to do. Um, so really get a handle and see what it's like to be a vet. See if it's something you really would want to do uh, professionally. Yeah. And um, there's some things to keep in mind when, when, and I don't mean this, you know, to be a downer, but just to be aware of vet school is super expensive. Um, the debt to income ratio is one of the worst um, industries, you know, as a professional that, that I know of. Really? Uh, yeah, because you go into a ton of school debt. Like, man, these days, I mean, there's there's kids coming out of these some of these newer private schools. And they come out with a quarter million in debt. Ugh. 
And you know, if you're going to be an MD or a doctor, a human doctor, great. You know, you're going to come out making hundreds of thousands a year. And a lot of vets, I mean, in most of the country, average vet salary is fifty to sixty, maybe seventy. Really? Anyway, like Kansas, where we're from? Yeah. Probably fresh grad vets, probably 60 to 70, if that, maybe less. So way a lot more than a comedian with a dog podcast, but I guess that's cool. <laughs> yeah, so, but I mean, when you have all that debt, though, it's, right. um, and it's a lot of work, you know, and it's, it's, um, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's an amazing profession, it's extremely gratifying, it can be extremely stressful, um, and, you know, as long as you're prepared for that. And you're doing what you know. You really feel like that's what you want to do. Then I mean, go for it. It's, yeah. it's an amazing profession. I'm I'm really happy where I am. I think this is the best place for me, and um, it's totally worth all the stress and all the gnarly stuff and and the debt and all that. So. Well, what's the most stressful gnarly part about it then? If you say it's worth that, you have so where I work, I'm really lucky that people treat their animals like their kids. A lot of the people that we see here would do anything for their pets. Yeah. That's amazing. That keeps us in business, and it's great because it lets me do a lot more as a veterinarian, diagnostically, treatment-wise, surgery, everything, right? Right. Um, the stressful thing is these pets are like their children. You have their lives in your hand. That's super stressful. If you F up or, you know, you're not, you don't know your stuff, I mean, that's that's on your hands. That's your fault. You're their vet. So that's something that's stressful you got to be on top of. Um, dealing with some of the stuff we talked about earlier, like euthanasia, things like that. Yeah. You know, you know, I don't care how many you've done; it's still a bummer. It's still stressful. It's still something you think about, and still, it's um, it's still rough. Uh, the hours can be rough. It depends on on where you work and who you work for, and, and what kind of hospital it is. But you sometimes have swing shifts, overnight shifts, things like that that can really throw you off. It's long hours. It's rarely nine to five. I don't know. You know, I don't know many vets that are like, oh yeah, I get out on time every day. No, yeah. it's just not the case. There's always some procedures, extra appointments, things like that. So, I mean, I get out sometimes on time for sure, but many times not. I mean, even if it's just paperwork, but it's so, yeah, the amount of time you spend, the, the amount of emotional investment, things like that really adds up. That makes sense. All right, so then what would you, what kind of advice would you have um, for someone who would like to be the sexiest beast charmer? Oh, uh, well, you're going to have to, um, you're going to have to wrangle crocodiles. Ooh, okay. And you have to work out. Yeah. And you have to be a vet. Okay. So, easy. 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 <laughs> All right, we have one final thing that we do with every episode. Uh, it's called Off the Leash. Leash, 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 leash. So, um, I'm going to ask you these questions, and you have to answer as quickly as you can without oh, pausing okay. too long. Here we go. What is your favorite dog movie? Uh, I don't know. I, uh, uh, Sandlot. Ooh, ooh. We haven't heard that, that one count? yet. Yes, it does. Do you remember the dog's name in it? No. I don't either. It was like the Beast, maybe. <laughs> it was a Beast. You could have changed They call him something like I that, I think right? it was the Beast. Yeah. And I think then you could have charmed it. Um, <laughs> what's your favorite dog name? Oh, man. You, this, is, this is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I can't... No one said this. What's going to... Henry? I love my little Henry, yeah. All right. It's not supposed to be easy. You thought vet school was tough? Please. Yeah, jeez. What's your least favorite dog name? I can't say because I'm going to see one and they're going to be like... Yep, yes you can. I can't. Yes, I can't can. do it. Because we'll ble- I'm going to see it. We'll bleep it's... it out. I promise I'll bleep it out. Now I want to hear it. <laughs> um, God, we see a lot of... <laughs> do I have to bleep that out now? Bleep it out. Damn it. Okay, fine. I can't believe you hate the name Monique for a dog. Weird. <laughs> <laughs> you can't say your own dog here. What's your favorite breed of dog? Okay, um, that's. Uh, I, I think 
Australian uh, healers. Oh, why is that? Super cool dogs. Cra- crazy intelligent. I think they're just gorgeous looking dogs. Like really, really pretty. Just they're such handsome, cool dogs. Um, yeah, healers are just so cool. Okay. I mean, here's the thing: they're not the best pet because they're they're too smart for their own good for a lot of people. Yeah. They need a lot of space. They need to be worked. Okay. So if you're just like have a you know live in an apartment or even a house with a small yard, it's the wrong dog for you. You really need to have a little bit of property. But yeah, if they can interact with some other cool farm animals and things like that, I mean, it's just it's an awesome thing for them. That's good. What's your What's your least favorite dog breed? Oh. Okay, I have friends that have this, and I, I think it's they're awesome dogs. But I mean, I would never get certain dog breeds because of health issues. And so, bulldog. I knew you were going to English say bulldog. That. Yeah. I mean, it's just brutal. I mean, visit vet. You know, you see these guys come in in respiratory distress on the brink of death. They got skin orthopedic respiratory issues. I mean, the list goes on. They're just, they, they're, they're, it's just too many issues. Didn't we kind of invent them? Like, they shouldn't exist we naturally. Every breed. Yeah. We invented every breed. And, well, they shouldn't exist naturally in the sense that they, more more often than not, need a C-section just to be, to yeah. be born. I mean, same thing with Frenchies. I think Frenchies are adorable little dogs. <laughs> but, um, and I think Bulldogs are adorable, too. They're great. They're sweet. They're loyal. They can often they're skateboard. They're really cool. Have you noticed that? And, yeah. They're, they're really amazing at board sports. I've seen them skate and, and like, and skateboard yeah. and surf and, and, for sure. I mean, they're incredible. Like, one of my best friends has a Bulldog. I love this dog. He's an awesome dog. Um, but this, I mean, it's, I don't want to say it's legal. I don't know. It's just a dog I wouldn't get. Yeah. If you were a dog, a sexy dog, a sexy dog, what kind of dog would you be, and why? Um, my fiance always says I'm a golden retriever because I'm so friendly or something. I don't know. Um, Come on, that's the I know, cutest. That's super dorky. It's very dorky. Uh, they're great dogs, but yeah, I don't know. I can't. I don't think I can put myself on that level. They're like better than me. I'm not. <laughs> I'm, not I'm not good enough to be a golden. Okay. Um. Shit, I don't know. You're not giving me enough time. That's like that's the point of it. Off the leash. Off the leash. Um, gosh, I don't know. This this is really tough. You're killing me. I'm sorry. I'm like screwing your off the leash. So thing. screwed up. Um, God, this is the worst. I know. I don't know. I've always loved Roddy's. I know? kind of was gonna say that because you're like really? muscly. Oh, thanks. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, like, so there's so like the sweet, like even Pipples too. I love Pipples. Oh, yeah. I always like feel connection with them and. I'm not aggressive at all. It's not that. It's just, I mean, they're just, they're sweet. They're loyal. Um, they like to play. They like to chill. You know, I just, I think they're just, uh, they're awesome. I, yeah. So does that mean you're saying some dogs can be sexy? Yeah. <laughs> I think they're sexy as hell. Yeah, yeah. I love it. All right. Uh, well, thank you so much for yeah. being on the podcast. I appreciate oh, it. Oh, my pleasure. This Thanks was fantastic. Me. That was fun. Awesome. <laughs> Follow everything the sexy beast tamer is up to on Instagram at Dr. Evan Anton. That's Dr. Evan Anton, or on Facebook at Evan Anton. A T I N. To follow butt sniffing magazine's sexiest dachshund, just go to at Two Girls One Pup Show on Instagram and Twitter, or at Two Girls One Pup on Facebook. Comet just got a real cute song. He's been dying to try out. Hey, butt sniffers! Do you like sniffing butts? Of course you do. You're a dog. But isn't it a bummer when your human gets to go where they want to go, but leave you at home? Well, now there's a solution. Check out DogSniffer.com for all the dog-friendly restaurants, destinations, and events like Two Girls, One Pup. It's like Yelp for dogs. And because you found it on DogSniffer.com, you know there will be butts to sniff. Dog Sniffer. Sniff it. Dig it. Review it. The Two Girls, One Pup Pupcast is produced by myself and Sammy Junio and is part of the Hello Lion Face Podcast Network. 
Our segment producer and Mr. Googler is Corey Rittmaster. Theme music by Tara Trudell with graphics and podcast logo design by Heather Hanford. Check out twogirlsonepupshow.com, that's the number two and the number one, to find out about live shows, links to photos, merchandise, and how you can support us. One way to support us is to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes and Stitcher. It really does make a difference and helps spreading the word about us. The opinions of this podcast are not necessarily those of Comet the Pup, who is a dog and doesn't have opinions on podcasts, only on food and butt sniffing. 